Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Saint Augustine, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Saint Jairus' daughter, pray for us. Saint Kazimierzk. That? Pray for us. For today? Nice. Do you have one for every day? Yeah, we have one. Uh, his name's St. Joseph for tomorrow. We're celebrating St. <laughs> Joseph tomorrow. Hey, um, He's kind of a big deal. Why is this... This light has never been on. Why is that light on? Boop. What? This light. Did it... Is it a... Uh, did it top out? Is that what it's indicating? I don't think so. <laughs> That's the top out. Yeah, uh-huh. but why is this? It says power. Mm, I mean, know. isn't this supposed to be pushed in? Yeah, I feel like it's it. going to turn off. Well, there oh. you go. Well, that's not good. That added the other one, too. Well, that's pro- it's what it's supposed to do. Huh? I kind of feel like... Oh, boy. Hello. Really? Well, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh! Technical difficulties being worked out. Bozo! No, that's as supposed to be on. on the eve of on the vigil of Saint Joseph. This is. Uh, Wait, do we do all the you, look, dude? And everything? I don't think an orange light and a a red light are happy lights. I mean, those green lights I'm looking at. That means green means that go. That means happy. Those are happy lights. It's fine. Everyone just. This needs is to how technical we are. To say Happy a little lights. prayer. Say a little prayer uh, to um, four. I should say. Say a little prayer for John Carney, who works for Word on Fire, and he's going to help us get new equipment because he Thanks, knows John. all this stuff. I got a parishioner who wanted to help with the sound and everything, but really? I, I just never schedule these things. Where I just show up from Lords? Yeah, from Lords. He did. He, uh, he was working like. Um, on video editing and sound editing for commercials, wow! For a long time, he's a real good sound. He probably guy. like uses this great soundboard. <laughs> Dust on the Bible. Dust on the Holy Word. Dust on the Bible. No, okay, that's not how it goes. I Look, don't know that song. All right, so welcome I'm, to Catholic ca- stuff. In case you haven't turned this off yet. <laughs> I'm just tired of it. I'm getting into gospel. We, okay, we're a little bit loopy yeah, right we're now. Loopy. All right. We went skiing today. We went skiing. Had a great day. Um, yep. Um, I, I think all in all, everyone survived. We were happy. And uh, we came down, had some great barbecue, got a little nap in, and here we are. Yeah. Good day. It's a mission day. It's a mission day. Father Tim Danaher, the great missionary master. Some people may not know Father Tim Danaher. He's a parochial vicar at St. Patrick's Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, home of um, Yingling uh, in Pennsylvania. Yingling? Yeah, Yingling's in Pennsylvania. Isn't that a Chinese beer? It's not Chinese. It's actually it's the oldest brewery in... Uh, oh, what's in the Chinese States? one? Isn't there something like that? Sing Tao. Sing Tao. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, With us also is Father Michael O'Loughlin, who has a wide uh, knowledge of the yeah, difference between we have the... Pennsylvania beers and Chinese beers. Anything else you want to talk about, I Father Mike? It does sound Chinese. No, I mean I'm I'm getting into country gospel. We went to a wonderful uh-huh. concert for my for my birthday. Yep. The compliments of my friend Father Nathan Gilmore. We went to Mandolin Orange. Thank you, Andrew and Emily, for the sweet music that you inspire us with. Yes. It's, it's, good. So it's good. great songwriting and incredible harmonies. Check yep. them out. Yep. Um, I've now seen them twice, and they're, they're an excellent show. Yeah. Super want, hipster. Like, I mean, it is like super hipster. The, the super yeah. hipster scene was in full display. A lot of beards, a lot of plaid. Yeah. Vests. A lot of vests. There's certain hats that go with that thing. Yep. And facial hair. Yeah, for men. Facial hair, yeah. Usually. Somebody wrote an article, I can't remember when it was, but it was saying that men's beards are like the flower, the feathers and variation of you know mating calls for the animal kingdom. Is like it? The more elaborate the beard is... The more it's like it's a way of affirming the women, like I'm going to provide for you. Okay. Well, is, it, <laughs> is this a comment? Are you trying to make a comment on my weak facial hair? Oh, my I facial have, hair is pretty weak. Now I do not have like layers upon layers of the texture that some people have. Shout out to um, I got I got Peter Polito. It's got a cool. Um, shape to it though i get this like kind of goatee that comes two-prong and there's a sacred heart image that has that two-prong <laughs> yeah, jesus that, beard yeah and so i'm no, like it looks good you know what? That's it looks just, good man this is jesus style don't worry about it i don't know just let it flow i don't know but man. i'm just saying we're like, not all peacocks Polito is good the, thing i'm a celibate he's the bearded savant and uh he caters to all different kinds of beards that's true but is he the guy with the chrism no, smelling. It's Andrea's brother. I know. Who owns the company Bearded Savant. The other one is uh, Barbatus Catholic Balm. Company. I don't like the Chrism one. Can we get that out of the mix? I that's like all the different like, stuff. That's actually one of their one of their number one sellers. I, I know people love it, but it's a, it's a sacred smell. I don't know. I don't want to get into this. I, you guys are beard guys. I'll probably lose this one. So you attract Catholic girls is with the Chrism. How you attract Catholic girls. No. This is you actually. Um, like I was speaking a to a Catholic girl who knows <laughs> who she is right now, um, and she was saying that when she tried to smooch her husband, she got uh, beard hair up her nose, and uh, That's she gross. said it, she said, "Yeah, it was a really bad experience." And I said, "Well, get over it." And she goes, "No, I'm going to tell him to shave." And I'm like, "Well, that, wow, that's that sounds right, but it sounds like a bit traumatic, you know." Yeah, I think she's I just feel has, bad she's about gotta that. harden up a little bit. All right. I think so. I don't know. Nobody told me this kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm not really a shaving's unnatural. Absolutely. Shaving is unnatural. Do you think people said this in like the third century? Like, um, I can't kiss you like I like to, so you should just shave. Well, I don't know about that stuff, but it's so is cutting your hair, right? Isn't that unnatural? But you don't want just like a big lump of hair. I got a nest. If I grow this out, it's a nest. If you're a man having, it's like animals want to come. Squirrels want to hide in there. Since when are you on this podcast? 
Yeah, I got Michael. I got Olo over here. He's not even on the mic. He's not on. You guys are looking at me. You said that you were going to record and then leave. Press record and leave. No, I need to make sure it's... Oh, he's working. He's our tech guy today. He's our tech guy. And he's going to do research. The problem is you don't have a microphone. I'm ignoring you. It's fun. You know what? Ignoring Michael. I feel like I haven't been on the podcast with you, Father Nathan, for a long time. Since Bible Birds. Since... Oh man, I keep doing Bible stuff. People love Bible birds. We like they the Bible. Loved it. I liked Bible. Are birds. you going to do another Bible one today? I am. Oh, well, are you ready? It sounds like you're ready. I just Father you know, Nathan's tired. He was oh, skiing I, today. I just I just know that certain people aren't exactly like thrilled with banter. So I'm just trying to keep the line moving. Okay, today is the second week of Lent. Here we are in the studio. Our various resolves for prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Mike, you've prepared a wonderful topic on the scriptures. Would you care to share some of the fruit with us? Oh, well, I'd love to. Thank you for the invitation. Hello, <laughs> stop. Do you know what I'm trying to say? No. Yeah. Is this like an NPR thing? I was yeah. trying to go NPR. No, oh, it's like super pious radio. Mm. All right, so here's the thing. Yeah. Lent is traditionally a time for mission, right? You're going to try to learn how to pray a little bit. You're going to try to yeah. convert a little bit. Dust you shall return, all that stuff. Uh-huh. Repent and believe in the... How does it work? Turn away from sin, believe in the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's Jesus' first words in which gospel... Mark. Good. Okay, we're going to talk about Mark's gospel. Sweet. And this strange anomaly. What? Well, here's another quiz show. What language was Mark's gospel written in? Okay. Aramaic. Nope. Probably not. Dang it. Some speculate that Matthew was written in Aramaic. Yep, Greek. So it's been... It was probably written in Greek. That was the lingua franca, as they say, of the time. Koine Greek was... What does franca mean? It's... Lingua franca. Well, that's the problem. Lingua franca refers to a language that everybody speaks universally. So right now in the world, English is the lingua franca. Now, that's ironic because the, the word franca refers to French, right? When... For a long time, French was the yeah. diplomatic language. True. Yeah. And I think it still is for the UN and the Olympics. Is that true? Seriously? I don't along know. Along with English. Along with English, maybe. Anyway, lingua franca. That just means everybody in the world is speaking the same thing to try to get along. There's a lot of different languages, but yeah. the common one. That's the Greek. That's, That's the Greek. Origin. The time of in Jesus. The time. Yeah. Right. For written um, works at the time, and then... Usually studies were done in Greek. Huh? So there's speculation about whether or not Jesus spoke Greek well or kind of wh- who the writers were. Were the apostles good Greek speakers? Mm-hmm. And I think so. I tend to be on the team that says, yes, it was a trilingual culture with Hebrew as a sacred language that people were oh. aware of yeah. and could read and had some facility with. Okay, so Mark is written in Greek, Greek. 
like the other Gospels. Maybe Matthew has some background that's Semitic. Should have just gone with Greek. Yeah, Greek. But occasionally, very rarely, you have these little bits of the language, the everyday language that Jesus would have spoken. Right. Most likely with his family and with other people from his area. And that is... Aramaic. Aramaic. The longest standing spoken language in history to our time. Really? Still spoken. Huh. Yeah. Thousands of years, and there are still several villages in Iraq where Aramaic is the common language. Well, there you go. little trivia. Next time you go to the bar, and they're asking you questions about Katy Perry... I went. I did. I did this trivia the other day, and I, I know a lot of trivia, but it was not my style. Yeah, it was about like sports and '80s music and yeah, celebrities. Yeah, yeah I hate to say that the um, <laughs> I should <laughs> form a team with. Yeah, you. well, the um, I think that's what most people are are have facility in now. Yeah, so they want to make people feel smart. Right. Um, and if you do like the trivial pursuit like like the dark blue cards, you know, like the navy blue cards, not like the light blue cards, like that's all like classical literature and Oh, I love those. And uh, history, geography. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Super tough, you know? Like you really gotta you'd be very cultured. Now when you go and play some of these like pop quiz shows, I'm like, you gotta know everything about you know, ducktails or something. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Do you do that one? My sister and brother do this daily trivia game that is worldwide. Yeah, I don't know. HQ, HB, isn't HB, is that the sauce in England? HB's the sauce, yeah. All right. So, So, I think it's called BBQ. BBQ, ketchup. How did we end up with ketchup as like a standard? Not like HP or really. Heinz. He's saying Pittsburgh. Yeah. Heinz ketchup. Heinz ketchup. Well, yeah, yeah. they they I definitely so. got big. One of my favorite McDonald's. scenes from uh, Simpsons is when um, uh, Smithers uh, is fired by Mr. Burns, and uh, Mr. Burns has to do his own shopping, and he goes to the to the grocery store and he's holding two bottles and he goes ketchup, catsup. <laughs> Ketchup, ketchup, because he doesn't know which one to get. Like, what does he like? So, do you know what he ended up with? Smithers. Okay, so random fact. Random fact. um, And I should have used this as a question, but that Smithers is one of the pet names for my dad. Really? Yeah. Of all things. Yeah. It's very strange. Do you, you know? Is there a story there? Or yeah, do I, I want to know. Maybe I started I don't calling him Mister Smithers a long time ago. Mister Smithers, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, they, stuck. He doesn't really know that Mister Smithers is like a very interesting. Oh, character. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured he might not have known. Anyways, right. moving on. All Aramaic. Right. So I thought it. I was looking at the Aramaic, these little pieces, and noticed that there's something of an invitation to prayer that is worth mentioning in Lent. And I think they could be very helpful um, meditating on these particular passages where Jesus uses Aramaic or other people use Aramaic. And um, that there's something about 
about prayer and detachment and its purpose and encountering Jesus that is very profound in these moments. Hmm. I don't know. I bet there's some scholarly speculation, but I didn't do the research here. Uh, why the gospel writers recorded just these pieces of Aramaic. Mm. Because really, you could have every time Jesus opens his mouth in the Gospels speaking Aramaic, and they could record these things, um, even devotionally, but it's all Greek. He probably didn't talk in Greek. They're probably translating. So it is kind of strange to say, well, why exactly do they keep these particular places? Certain phrases, right. But I don't know. I don't know. I think um, after praying with them for a while... I think they are particularly beautiful points of encounter with Jesus that might have been very special to the people. And maybe leaving it Aramaic in the scriptures is a way to sort of direct people to those moments of prayer and encounter with Jesus. So I'm suggesting that our audience pray with these moments of Aramaic, and I'll sort of walk through them, but um, as a way of... um, He's just kind of getting to know Jesus more in Lent. All right. Okay. So the first one is Jesus' encounter with Jairus' daughter. Mm, yeah. So Jairus comes along. Jesus is going through. Uh, he's kind of going back and forth on the Sea of Galilee. And he's preaching. He's healing people. And this guy Jairus comes, and he, he said, he's a ruler of the synagogue. And he, he says, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. So you, you're starting just with this, this scene of the care of a father for his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like the deep human love, the problem of suffering, the issues of sickness. I think most Catholics um, either have identified in themselves things that they'd like to be healed or know people who they'd like healing for. And we, in, in our encounter with Jesus, in our encounter with prayer, we can find both healing for ourselves, but also intercede for other people yeah. and say, hey, Jesus, can you help this person that I love? And explain to them like what's happening. Um, it's one of those paradoxes because God knows everything, right? So... I always found it a little bit strange. I'm, maybe you can explain this to me, priest. Um, like, why do we have to explain it to God? This person is sick. You know, I want them to be better. God knows, and God wants them to be better. So there's something about our kind of freedom and invitation to engage with God and something like that. But um, I don't always get that part. Like, and what are you supposed to say? I'm sad. This is what it's, you know, this is what's happening. Yeah. But I mean, you're sharing the contents of your heart. I mean, if your friend actually knows you so well, then in some ways you don't even have to explain yourself to your friend. But you do, because there's a part of that that allows for compassion to occur. Mm. You know, that the other can, can feel your sorrow. And you can see that they feel your sorrow. They feel your pain. Yeah, I think that's also like true with God. You grow yeah. closer in friendship and trust, confidence, mm-hmm. um, and the sharing. The sharing of gifts is one of the things that makes friendship occur. You know, so I mean, yeah, like 
I mean, you have access to my house, technically. I haven't given them the new garage code. Um, but, you know, you can come. Are those cameras real? Yep. <laughs> nice try, Kitten. Um, I'll call ahead. So you have access to my house. But it's very different, like, in, if you were to just come in and, like, make yourself at home and eat the food and whatever else, then if you said to somebody else, like, hey, I'm hungry, and then they can, you know, like, from what they have, they can give to you. Provide for you. Right. So uh, if you just satisfied your own need, and God just did all of it, and there was never any sort of dialogue, then it would be kind of, I don't know, I think, missing something. Yeah. So... Well, and part of this story has something to do with engaging the faith of this guy, helping him and the community around them. So there's, the story is interrupted a little bit by this woman who's woman. hemorrhaging. Hemorrhaging woman. And then I'm going to skip the hemorrhaging woman. That's a beautiful story, too. But then I'm going to read the she rest of the She kind of cuts in. Yeah, she cuts in. Kind of waylays Jesus, and then you, there's some urgency to it. It's like Jesus has got to get over and save this girl, but... He gets interrupted. That's a popular theme for preaching. Okay. So haven't you heard that stuff? What? People talk about that popular stuff? Popular theme for preaching? You've got to be open to being interrupted. interrupted you know? I hate being interrupted. <laughs> I shouldn't hang out with me. I found that out, but, I found but, that out but, very explicitly but, just you know, like however long ago. Did you hate it being interrupted? No, this person like came up to me and interrupted me like as I was just getting oh, ready to go plans. do something, and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I wasn't planning on doing that." And then she kind of was like, "Well, you should be doing it." And I was like, "Don't freaking tell me what to do." And then I said, "I'm a priest. I can't say that. <laughs> I'm a horrible priest. I'll go do it." And then I did, and you did it. And then I apologize. Like the good son who said no and then did it. I know. That's pretty much going to be my Episcopal motto. <laughs> I am that guy. I don't want to do this, but I'll do it anyways. Okay. Mark five thirty-five and following. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. Just have faith. Mm-hmm. You gotta have faith. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, the he wailers, was, he saw a tumult, commotion, and people weeping and wailing loudly. Yeah. When he had entered, he said to them, "Why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping." And they laughed at him. I love that line. The child is not dead. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside. Get out. And took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. Haters. And went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi. Is that correct pronunciation? Talitha kum. Um, Yeah, Talitha kumi. Nice. There's usually an accent on the last syllable of Semitic words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it is. It'd be a uh, great means, name for a. It'd be a great name for a kid. Talitha. Talitha. There is yeah. a nun, Sister Talitha. Really, Sister of Life. Yeah. There's a little something like this in Acts of the Apostles. Peter raises a girl by saying, "Tabitha, rise." 
Right. And it's one of these kind of parallel stories. But this is Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. That's what it says here. Does it mean all that? Yeah. Just in those two words. You remember kum is to establish in Hebrew? Did you get that from the Hebrew class? I didn't get Establish out of my a barit. You, you like uh, set up a rock. You raise the rock. Set the stone. Nope. That's the same word here, kum. Um, Talitha is little, little girl. 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 Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it's an imperative. So I think I say to you. But it's interesting that this piece, this translation piece, which means little girl, I say to you, arise is Greek. So it's explaining to someone who doesn't know Aramaic sure. what it means. And so you're outside the Aramaic context, but it's still written in Aramaic. Why doesn't he just say, little girl, I say to you, arise? Oh. So there's something special here. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but and immediately the girl got up and walked, for she was 12 years old. I don't know what the four is. And immediately they were overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, one of the things that I really love about this, I have four younger sisters, and I care about my sisters. I love them very dearly. And sometimes I see, well, I have a heart for young women in the parish and trying to help them out in the Christian life. And sometimes I see a sort of self-consciousness that... um, and like a real sensitivity to the judgment of other people. And so I like to point out in this piece, in this um, story, that you have all these people who are mocking and overreacting and just don't really get it. And you have a very calm Jesus who comes in and says, this, this girl is not dead. She's not weak. Um, she is not broken. But um, she can rise. And then he comes in and he says, I want you to rise. And there's something about drowning out all those voices, mocking Jesus, mocking, like wailing over this girl. She's broken. She's lost. She's dead. She's gone. And kind of just growing in the confidence of hearing God's voice instead of the voices of the whole Hmm. rest of the world. Yeah. You know, you can sort of hear the tumult, the din in this story, and Jesus puts everybody away. Get out of here. No? And I think that's a, a beautiful thing to pray about during Lent, is just whose voice do I listen to? Is it my own worries about myself and kind of my my brokenness, my weakness, things that look like it's you know killing me or going to lead to death or loneliness or down the road of fear or darkness or whatever it is? Or do I trust in that Jesus who says, um, just believe? What does he say? Just have faith. Just have faith. Yeah, that's a good question, you know? Um, and I like that piece about drowning out the, all of these people who don't get it. Yeah, They don't get it. If you're mocking Jesus, who's going to come and save the day, you don't get it. But they don't even believe it's possible at at that point. Because in one of the other stories, it says, the child is dead, do not trouble the teacher any longer. Um, So, like, pretty much abandon hope. And when they get there and they're ridiculing... I did a meditation on this for my 30-day 
about them all ridiculing Jesus. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I'd have been so mad. Mm. I'd have been so, so mad. But uh, he, yeah. just, he puts them all out in a way like he does. I mean, he he does have righteous anger at that, you know, his exasperation at their lack of faith. And he just says, then you don't get to see. You don't yeah. get to see this. So Yeah. Silence is the sounds. All right. So that's that's, that's this piece. One. I think there's a lot of potential healing in there. And I said, I mentioned this is, you know, for women. One of the things I noticed about these Aramaic pieces is they're all somehow connected to women. You got this one, Talitha Kumi, to the little girl. We're getting there. And then when Jesus is on the cross in Mark's gospel, he says what? Well, I don't, I don't know the correct, correct pronunciation. You got it. I love, I always loved hearing and my, we do it at my the... old priest say it. He, he would always be like, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. That's close. Eloi, Eloi. Eloi. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because the E at the end is mine. It's a possessive pronoun. Of, mm. you know, first first person singular. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Yeah. Mm. Jesus from the you cross says... Out, you should send out a little missive as, you know, hi, Father Mike Rapp, you know, studying at the Biblicum, priest of Denver... Just so you all know, this is the correct pronunciation of this Aramaic word that we're all going to say as priests uh, for Good Friday. Get it right. Love, Father Mike Rabb. Yeah, I could do that, but I got to ask Father Andre, the other thing is, you know, sounds change over the course of history. Father Andre. So maybe Father Andre would say it differently, and I want to respect that they actually have kept up the Aramaic translation. Please. You're a please. good man. Yes, please. Yes. Help, help us. me. You have to help us. <laughs> I, I'm trying to train with Father Andrew, Andre. What do I call him? Andrew. That's my brother's name. That's how it means, Andre. It's French. Yeah. It's the... Uh, Andreas. Langue, lingua franca. Oh, lingua franca. Okay, so Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is on the cross, and there's women at the base of the cross. Yep. Everybody's fled except the women. Except John. And John. Mm-hmm. In Mark's gospel, we don't... And Joseph. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Verimathea. Oh, Verimathea, yeah. There's other people there, but the women are mentioned. Women right? are mentioned. And Jesus... Standing by the cross. Jesus right. is speaking in Aramaic again. And I think the, the point about prayer, how you enter into this point of prayer, there's a lot of ways to enter into prayer at the foot of the cross. But one thing I want to just point out is when you come to church or when you make any prayers... Like we were saying with friendship, you're comforting Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're actually there for him. You're caring for him yeah. who is suffering. And I think a lot of people just tend to think, I, for a long, long time I did, just thought of the spiritual life and prayer about me receiving from God yeah. instead of giving to God. Me doing the right things. Like God has everything. He doesn't need anything. Well, here he is on the cross feeling abandoned and... There are people with him who can comfort him and to try to care for him. Um, this is something that we try to do with the Stations of the Cross. We try to comfort Mary. We try to comfort Jesus. We're remembering and grateful for the help of... Um, sorry, he's stealing Looking my Bible. my bookmark. Um, yeah, we're bearing the cross with Jesus. And we can comfort him and be there for him. 
sometimes I like to re- reflect on the um, the suffering of of God. People come to me and they say, "I get angry because people are suffering and God doesn't care." And I say, "I think God is probably upset because people are suffering and people don't care, and He's seen a lot more and loves a lot more than us, and is." probably a lot more heartbroken over the fall than we are. And a lot of our, the redemption of the world is sort of saying, God, we're sorry that we fell this far. Like, what, what can we do to make it up to you? How can we glorify you? How can we comfort you? How can we um, express our sorrow for that? And, and ultimately, gratitude, deep, deep gratitude for our salvation. Um, and for his help throughout history. But there is something remarkable about the patience of God, long-suffering for the sake of our freedom, our birth, our um, inviting us into love and into heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, God should have got rid of the whole thing a long time ago, but I wouldn't have been born. Yeah. You wouldn't have. I mean, I think there's more souls to come, you know. But that's all, I mean, that's the whole reason for creation. Like, nothing of creation adds anything to God. So it's, it is sheer gift. And we're always going to be in the position of receiving that gift. Um, but then, you know, in, in receiving the gift, we allow the giver and the, the giver and the gift to be present because we receive the gift from the giver. So, um, I mean, I think that's important. Uh, well, even even to God, like He knows He knows obviously that we're we're not going to have anything. I asked somebody the other day. I said, I said, what do you have to do to earn salvation? So, and and it was like, it was like, well, I you know you got to do this and that. I'm like, you don't earn salvation. You can't right. earn it. Yeah. It's like, well, how do you know that? It's like. <laughs> What are you? What can? What exactly can you do to say I want to live in heaven forever? You know, like yeah. I mean, even if you were good one hundred percent of the time, you know, maybe God would say, "All right, you get one up. You get you get to live once more." You know, but this is eternity we're talking about. Yeah, and that sort of dignity, being with God, sharing in the community of love that is the Trinity forever. So I was looking for this bookmark. It's one of my favorite bookmarks. It's from uh, Sister Clarita from the Missionaries of Charity, Mm. uh, who gave me this quote from Mother Teresa. In the silence of my heart, I hear his words of comfort. And from the fullness of my heart, I comfort Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poor. Mm. In the silence of my heart, I hear his words of comfort. And from the fullness of my heart, I comfort Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poor. Mm. So it's like, yeah, he's going to console you. But then with it's like St. Paul says, we console others with the consolation we have received, the comfort. You know, so yeah. we do comfort Jesus. Yeah. And I think there's something of a progression that we've seen from this 12-year-old girl being called to rise to this sort of maturity of the women at the cross who mm. can handle the absolute scandal and the frustration and the madness of the fact that the world would go after this guy and kill him. You know, I don't, 
I don't think it was just circumstantial. They're friends, so they're there. It's like these are super holy and courageous people who can face one of the the most ridiculous, terrible things yeah. that has ever happened in the world, you know? So, yeah, they're there to comfort Jesus, you know? Um, and that represents a certain spiritual maturity. You're not worried about yourself so much, but you're thinking about Jesus. And he's not going to stop healing and offering that comfort. It's like Mother Teresa, right? Uh, he's going he's gonna to give, and then we give back. Okay, the last case is from John's Gospel. Where we we got to move um, from Mark's to John's. In the garden, Jesus rises. He's hanging out. He's gardening things. I wonder what he's gardening, some, gardening sometimes, like jalapenos. I think probably jalapenos because that's what I would like to garden. Um, Good call. Maybe tomatoes. I don't know what... Pomegranates he over there? he was the gardener. Oh, okay. He wasn't gardening. say he was gardening. <laughs> I was wondering where you were getting this from. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was doing some gardening. Like, why would... He didn't... Okay. Anyway. She, He's there. She... He's there he, early in the morning on the first day of the He week. speaks to her. He had to clock in. And when she realizes it's him, she says... Rabuni. No? Is that correct pronunciation? Rabuni. I think so. Rabuni. Rabuni. It's uh, my rabbi, my master. My master. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. With the, the E Not on the end. Teacher. Remember that? Not just teacher, but my teacher. Yeah. Hmm. And it's that Aramaic. Not sure why exactly. Um, rabbi, Ravi, is the same word in Hebrew. It's used frequently in mm-hmm. the New Testament. Right. But in this case, they used Rabuni, the Aramaic word. And I think there's something... Again, that's particular to this moment um, and worth praying over. Here we have Jesus encountering Mary Magdalene in the garden. This beautiful moment of joy because the beloved has risen. He's going to live. It was a very sad thing that has been transformed. Mm -hmm. And he also says, you got to let go. I have a mission for you. I want to send the Holy Spirit and... Um, I'm sending you with this Holy Spirit mm-hmm. out into the world. And I have, a, I have a plan for the world, but I have to go, and you have to let go. And this kind of moment of joy and intimacy is, it feeds her somehow, and it feeds the, the apostles, their faith, their confidence. Um, but it's kind of momentary it just comes and then jesus has to go again and that's a lot of how life works with grace um father gronsky used to talk about the the wind and the sail you know mm-hmm. you have to wait for the the wind um yeah that's the holy spirit but but you gotta keep your sails up yeah we stay ready and the lord provides the movement in mm-hmm. prayer and i think there's something to this this scene that has something to do with um just trusting in the Lord and asking, where, where do you want me to go? You're my master. You know, what's next? So it's like, I discern this progression, but it's, it bounces around different gospels. So I'm breaking the laws of exegesis. But um, Whatever. these moments, mm-hmm. being a young person, 
reconciling life, growing up with Jesus, comforting Jesus, being there for him, getting out of ourselves and paying attention to some, someone else, especially the suffering. Hmm. And then um, discerning the will of God and seeking the will, to do the will of God with all of our life, yeah. you know, um, and trusting when we don't feel like we're right in the midst of the presence of God, but um, we have confidence in him because we know where we've been. What do you think? Be a great parish mission. Yeah? That's it. That's a podcast mission. Oh. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Are you a... We have like a big parish. Yeah, but you're going to do a parish mission in Craig by the time this comes out. I am. Craig Meeker. We're going to focus on the Ignatian exercises. Sure. But there is something of the same. Ignatius really sets it up so that it's um, kind of get to know yourself, reconcile with, your, with Jesus, be saved, see who the Savior is, walk with the Savior and who you've chosen as your king, and eventually get to the point where you want to share life and his will and do yeah, everything that he wants. With him, yeah. So you kind of move from looking at yourself yeah. to... Uh, offering yourself detachment toward God and then toward mission. Oh, that's Ignatius's way too. That might be coloring my reading of this yeah. Aramaic stuff. <laughs> sure. No, I like it. I mean, I think with the scriptures, like anytime we can find sort of trends or patterns or ha- you know different things, like it allows us to enter into it from a different vantage. And even those three those three events. You wouldn't necessarily put all of them together, but all of them, you know, having that same kind of common thread allows you to see like there is something behind that. So good. All right. Well played. That's the Aramaic thing. Is there any more Aramaic in all of the scriptures? Well, there's mentions of things, but it's usually narrative. So, for example, Golgotha, the place of the skull. Yeah. That's an Aramaic word, but that comes from the narrator of Acts, from Luke. Not from Jesus talking or something like that. So there's little details like that sometimes. But they don't use it. I mean, Paul doesn't use it. No. Well, I got to be careful. I mean, like Maranatha, Maranatha. Revelation. Um, I don't know. There's is like that. Is that uh, that's uh, Aramaic? That's Aramaic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maran is like Kyrios in Greek. You know, Kyrie Leison, mm-hmm. the Lord. You know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'd have to look. I, maybe I'll compile a whole list of Aramaisms. But these are the Aramaisms. ones in the... Aramaisms. Yeah. These are the gospel ones. They're really limited. There's not a whole lot uh, of it. Hmm? It's strange. Right? It's, and it's hard to explain. If people know exactly how to explain why those are kept, and we don't hear Jesus speaking in Aramaic in other cases, I don't know. Is he speaking in Aramaic when he does exorcisms? Exorcisms? No. I think it's Greek. We have to ask Mike Morris. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, Raka is also Aramaic. Raka. Oh, yeah. yeah Raka. There you go. I do that all the time. Raka, yeah. <laughs> yep. 
That one, you're not supposed to do that one. Whenever I try to wake up Olo in the morning and I'm like, Talitha Coom. And then he's like, Raka. And I'm like, ah, you rascal. (laughs) You guys are nerds. Yep. I brought it up. (laughs) Bible nerds. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, everybody, have you you have a good Lent. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always strange, like, knowing these are going to come out, like, a couple weeks after. Is this coming out next Thursday? This Thursday. It's a couple days. Couple days, so you got plenty of time to think about it. We're only in the third week of Lent. Have a wonderful Saint Joseph Day. Yes, I love Saint Joseph. Yeah, I was super embarrassed at an Arab restaurant because the lady said to me, "She goes, do you have a Saint Pageant tomorrow?" And I go, "A pageant?" And she goes, "Saint Patrick?" And I was like, "Oh, yes, we do have that." And she's like, it's a good day for you. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> and then I'm like, she's, she knows very limited things about, you know. I'm like, great. Do you see that story about Savannah, Georgia? That like, it's no. like, like, just, they totally trashed the town. Oh. St. Patrick's Day in, um, in, in, in Illinois, at University of Illinois, unofficial St. Patrick's Day, like, they would be like sweeping up vomit, like, with those push brooms. And uh, oh, yeah. they had the engineering open house the following the following week, you know. So it was always just like, why did you do this? But anyways, um, yes, it's St. Patrick's we Day. Had... But please, for the love of for love of all that is good and holy, <laughs> like celebrate St. Joseph's Day. Yeah, that's true. Celebrate St. Joseph. One thing that people it's a don't don't we always know. Pray the Gloria at yeah. Mass, don't we? Yeah, it's a big deal. So we got to do. He's the um, patron of the church, foster father of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, patron of workers. Terror of demons. Terror of demons. He is, like, sells houses, but that's kind of superstitious. <laughs> kind of. And then he is also the intercessor for those who are dying. And I don't yeah. think people use that enough. Yeah. There's a lot of old paintings we'll in Europe. We'll do a podcast on St. Joseph next time. So, All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so St. Joseph, San Giuseppe, we'll pray for him, ask for his intercession. Shout out, Father Joseph Lejoie. Yes, yep, that's his day, that's his day. Um, that's the only shout out I have. I got one. I don't have my phone. You're not on this podcast. This is Father Michael O'Laughlin. Father Welcome Michael to O'Laughlin. the podcast. Only because both of the other guys sitting at this table refuse to go. We'll be alone at the Los Angeles Religious Ed Congress um, Friday and Saturday. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday, tomorrow and Saturday. And uh, I'll be interviewing people. And I will be at the uh, Byzantine Catholic booth. So uh, I will be, a bunch I will of be emailed. baptizing my nephew. And... I will have him wave to you. I will make a video of him waving to you. I'm not going to give this microphone to Father Nathan. I know he's going <laughs> to say something. He's going to be sassy. Yeah. So All anyway, right. I will be there, and I'll maybe we'll have multiple of us next year. Check him out. Anaheim Catechetical Conference. Right. Sorry I can't go. I went to the SEEK conference this year. It was awesome. We're, we're represented. We're well represented. Right. We're represented. Okay, so um, I think I've already given this guy. Um, so first to Bridget and Annie. What's up, Mints? Okay. Um, they are. Uh, let's see here. 
seven, eight, and four? Mints, mints like the peppermints or the mince meat pie? With a Z. M-I-N-T-Z. Okay. So, yeah, uh, Bridget listens to the podcast, and she goes, like, Father Nathan's my pastor, and he never gives me a shout-out. Oh. And then I've forgotten the last, like, four times I've... I've, um, Hey, Bridget. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Joseph Day. For her, yeah, she loves that stuff. God bless the two of them. So... And to Lucy, their sister, who likes to scream during my homily. God bless her. Anyway. Lucy. Um, to Shirley and Arena Connell, the daughters, or maybe um, uh, maybe daughter and granddaughter, I can't remember, of Dave, Dave Connell, who's one of my parishioners, they brought us beaver nuggets from Texas. Ooh. I'm pretty sure we ate them already. Yeah, um, I never, never see any of these. So, to them. Um... I got an amazing... Did you listen to that voicemail message from Sophie? Yeah. That... I mean, like, wherever you are. She's from England. I think she's living in Canada? I I just remember the I accent. I couldn't remember. But that like, was delightful. She didn't... The, the, the voicemail, the number was was eliminated from my caller ID since it, they called the office and not my direct line. So I have absolutely no idea who this person is. But she's coming in at Easter... And she just gave one of the most beautiful testimonies on the on, oh, yeah. the on my message, and it was really sad because I was in the office, but I was just like down the hall, uh, getting my mail, and they thought that I'd left. And then when I got back, I had a message, and I was like, "Oh, great, who is this?" You know, because sometimes I just get really annoyed whenever there's just a lot of messages on my phone. And it was her, and she's coming into the church this Easter. They're going to get married. Yeah. And uh, we're super happy for. Congratulations, Sophie. So, That's great. And thanks for thanks for sharing with us too. Right. I think they were going to come over here to Arvada. Yeah, they said that, but like I have no way of contacting them. Okay. So they'll probably get in touch. I have a feeling. Anywho, um, I think that's it. Again, to Bridget and Annie, my delight, my joy, and uh, to Amy and Jared and uh, to and Bill. Lucy. Tommy, William, Frank. Are you just making Acer? up names now? Yeah, just making. I'm up not. I don't. I haven't met Acer, but I think a lot of people are. <laughs> a lot of people are going to feel like, hey, he's giving me the shout out. There you go. All right, Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Stitcher and Instagram. All that stuff. SoundCloud. Is it SoundCloud? YouTube, SoundCloud, and check out the Anaheim Religious Head Conference. Said, Father Michael will be sitting Father there Michael. with the microphone all by himself. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, for these and all my sins, it's truly sad. <laughs> all right. Have a great week. Happy Lent. Laters. <laughs>